You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Wepa! What up, me and this is your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. And today, we got a legend in the house. At least to me, he is, because you've seen his work, right? If, if you've watched Marvel's Spider-Man, if you've watched Armored Adventures, if you've watched, uh, like, even Super Dinosaur, you know, Lost in Oz, right? He's, he's worked on those. He he's also has worked on the latest uh, Netflix uh, anime, Tekken. But today we're going to be talking about his dope project releasing this Wednesday, August 31st, Concrete World. It is future, it is tech, it is VR, it's meta. There's so many things going on. And this is something that's been a long project in the, in the, in the works that is now out in physical form. And let me tell you, it hits home, especially if you're a tech geek. Let me introduce the ultimate nerd over here, the one, the only Gavin. <laughs> How you doing? Woo! Hey, Al. Thank you so much for having me. What what an intro. <laughs> uh, what's popping, kiddo? How you doing today? I am doing good. It's, uh, it's you know, hot in L.A., and uh, I'm retreating in my office and, and hopefully talking some nerdy stuff. So. Don't worry. I'm boiling here in New York as well. Don't you worry. Us New Yorkers ain't being uh, denied the heat, if you will. Yeah, I feel like I'm about to melt like the wicked witch of the wild west. You know what I mean? The west. (laughs) You you get that humidity too, huh? We don't have that. Oh my god! (laughs) I know you're very lucky out there. I've been to San Diego. I was wearing a full suit in the middle of the summer for for a a comic con when I went in 2019. I'm like, I'm not even sweating, and it's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Lucky guys, you lucky people. (laughs) So, kiddo, thanks again for joining. talk about everything that you've done but specifically this awesome project that was a webcomic first one to understand is now in print yeah uh, uh this wednesday coming to a local comic shop near you folks you're gonna want this book trust you me right right there your concrete world you're gonna love it i mean i was just reading it uh prior to, uh, to the uh, interview and let me tell you uh, i was looked like a fish i almost got upset that you came on soon i'm like oof. <laughs> I'll have to keep reading. <laughs> then, I, then my job is done. I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> Go read. Yeah. No, I so, appreciate it, man. No, man, it's good stuff, man. I can't wait till we get into that. So, but before we do all that, Comic Crusaders loves a good origin story, right? Oh, so, yes. tell us where you where you grew up at, where you from, and, and your first taste of pop culture fandom. And when I ask that question, it's who influenced it? Was it Mama, Daddy, Titi, Tio? You know, was it your self discovery? Yes, yeah, uh, that's an uh, easy one for me to answer. So, yeah, I, you know, I grew up in uh, suburbs of Denver in uh, Colorado. Oh, you know, uh, perfect time for for nerd culture to grow up because, you know, like my first movies in the theater were things like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back. Um, I always think back to those early, you know, uh, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan was like a summer vacation with grandfather and my brother. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, my brother is four years older than me. and uh, just lifelong, you know, a uh, fan of, of comics and animation. And uh, so he was hugely, hugely uh, responsible for exposing me to, you know, all this stuff. Uh, you know, I think, gosh, man, like uh, anime, we were, 
because of him and his interest in pursuing these things, you know, I was exposed to anime at a really young age. Like, you know, we would have to get uh, video cassettes from like <laughs> anime clubs uh, that, you know, someone would record, pass over into the United States. They would pass these tapes around. It'd be like, you know, like movies like uh, Nausicaa or uh, Lupin the Third was oh wow. uh, easily one of the first, you know. And, and you know, we watched stuff like Star Blazers and, and you know, Battle of the Planets when it was on US TV. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was like you felt like a treasure hunter if you could get the stuff from Japan. The, you know, it wasn't even in English. You know, there was no subtitles. You just watched it because it was cool, and you, you didn't try to follow along. Preach, yeah. brother, preach. I did the same thing here in New York, going to comic cons and picking up those bootlegs, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Vampire Hunter D, oh. uh, you know, Fist of the North Star, Dosa Kudorzi, Violence Jack, all that good stuff. Ninja yeah. Scrolls. <laughs> oh, Ninja Scrolls, yeah. Def- I mean, that's all that evokes good memories for me, hearing all those titles, yeah. Good stuff. So it was yeah. your brother that got you caught up in this whole world of fandom. How, I mean, you could also blame for all that expenditure because look at that background. My ah. God. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah. yeah, I mean, where am I there? Yeah, the, uh, you know, it's it's a lifestyle for sure. Uh, I, I get away with uh, saying it's all research now that I'm I'm writing full time. So. <laughs> it's, a tax, it's a tax write-off. It, exactly. I need, I need well, it. I need it. And myself and another uh, uh you know, animation producer, writer, and friend. We started a toy company last year, uh, just solely on on the fact that we love it all. And we were like, "Well, we spend enough money as a hobby. We we probably should start making toys too." So, yeah, yeah. Oh man, wait. What's the name of that? And what's popping with it? Ooh. So, uh, yeah, we launched a company called Wandering Planet Toys. And like many people nowadays, we launched via Kickstarter. We crowdfunded our first line. Oh, nice. Uh, it's based, so we're both fans of this TV series called The Prisoner, classic spy science fiction show uh, from, you know, uh, England in the late 60s, kind of made its way to the U.S., early 70s and beyond, and never had toys. Great, you know, there's only one season, but it's a brilliant show. They never um, had toys? Wow. Never, well, there was like, maybe like a die cast, you know, of like one of the cars, but there was never action figures. I'm grabbing my toy here. So, um, yeah, we, we wanted to make Kenner Star Wars style prisoner toys. Where is he here? Oh, look at that. And there's, yeah, number six from an episode called, uh, Checkmate. And yeah, so we went through the whole process of, um, you know, learning, learning, (laughs) you know, okay, we, we know how to write stories about, you know, characters that are also toys. Do we know how to make toys? And so. Uh, through really, really good friends at like Super 7 and Fresh Monkey Fiction and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Four Horsemen. We were able to fumble our way through making toys. And, and these figures are on a container in between China and the U.S. right now. Uh, so they'll get into the backers' hands uh, probably in about a month. And Are you uh, able to track the boat, bro? You know, I'm learning all of that as I go. And we've been terrified because you've heard, you know, all the news about containers like sitting off the coast. And um, but we think actually the last three months, it's all kind of uncorked a little bit. Yeah, Uh, getting better. Yeah. But we really are, although really focused on, you know, making good toys and making everybody happy. We're really learning as we go. And like even a week ago, I didn't realize 
Oh yeah, I have to hire a freight forwarder. I didn't even even heard those those words. What the hell is a freight forwarder, right? Exactly. <laughs> and now I know that's the person that that gets your stuff from the factory to the boat, and then oh, from the port funny. to wherever you're going to distribute it. So oh, oh, live and learn. We're making toys and uh, in between when we're writing and stuff, but. Uh, the you life of an entrepreneur, bro. That's the life of an entrepreneur. I mean, you know, we're going to take bumps and we're going to learn from those bumps. And the next time, you know, we know. <laughs> totally. I know we uh, when we're in the thick of it or when I screw something up, which is often <laughs> uh, my partner and I, Doc, and I, we're like, the next one's going to be easier. The next line will be easier. We, we're learning. So but I think so. It, yeah. It sounds like when you have kids right after the first one, it's a breeze. <laughs> I only have French bulldogs, so I, I won't even pretend to. Uh, hey, dog! Uh, dogs are kids too. Oh my god, they they, they are for me. <laughs> uh, and awesome. the first Frenchie was harder than the second one. So <laughs> ah, you see, you see, proving yeah. the point. So let me ask you then: growing up, yeah, what was that like? Uh, did you have a tribe growing up that that was into what you were into, or you were kind of the lone wolf? Yeah, I, you know, thank you for asking that because I think people right now don't realize how hard it was to be a nerd say 20 years ago plus and i was lucky i had a little group i honestly uh except for finding someone with superpowers we were quite a bit <laughs> like the kids in stranger things okay you know I you didn't did, have an uh, 11 <laughs> yeah we didn't have an 11 which probably would have helped us out um but you know i grew up in denver i grew up in the suburbs i was always one of the weird kids i was always on the the, the counterculture the subculture I did not fit in with mainstream middle America, whether it be because of my love of nerd stuff or because I was into the, like the punk scene and skateboarding. And so we were at odds with everyone, you know, uh, my, my little, my little group. Uh, and so we were had a really tight friendship because it was kind of like, you know, the four or five of us against the world. Um, being a, a preteen, like a tween, as they say, or uh, or in high school, let me tell you, back then it wasn't cool being a toy nerd. <laughs> no, it wasn't. We, had, we secretly collected, you know, we it was it wasn't something or like playing Dungeons and Dragons. That was not a badge of honor back then. Uh, it was it was it made you kind of a pariah, and it definitely put a target on your back for for like people to pick on you. Absolutely. So, Some of them even would think that you were a, a, a satanic person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, the music would... I listened to, the makeup I wore, uh, plus that type of stuff. Forget about it. I was accused of every kind of being <laughs> every kind of drug addict, every kind of, you know, the cultist or Satanist. Yeah. I, I, don't mean to laugh. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, of, laugh at that, but I get it. You know, I yeah, grew up yeah. in, that, in, in that era. Uh, you know, it, it was, you know, the bully, bullies would try to come out, but I was kind of unbullyable. You, yeah. you couldn't bully me because I was one. All right, you know what? I'll throw hands, too, with you. I don't care. You yeah. know, I may be a nerd, but, you know, but recognize this nerd, this nerd ain't taking your crap. <laughs> yeah, and that's usually what it takes, right? And people don't see that coming. And once they do, it's like, okay, I, that one I'm not messing with. I'll find an easier yeah. target, right? He, he's, he's not a weak nerd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there are many that are not. As as I've learned in the last, you know, couple of yeah, days. exactly. Yeah. We just like what we like. Leave us alone. Oh, although now it's a whole different world where you know people embrace their nerddom and, and, and it's celebrated. Yeah. Again, but we open the path for you guys. All right, so you better yeah. recognize that. Well, and, <laughs> and what a great time to be doing what we're doing now. You know, oh, yes. um, I'm I'm like half grouchy old guy who's like, you don't know how hard it was for me when I, you know, and, and I'm also half 
Oh, thank goodness there's so many people who are reading comics and watching, you know, animation and buying toys. Um, because I am trying to put those things out into the universe and they would 100% not exist without people consuming them, right? So, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting time. You know, the internet really changed a lot, didn't it? Oh, yes, it did. I, I think that's what really opened the floodgates for nerds to celebrate who they were. And yeah. then it be, just became more mainstream. And then obviously the movies, Marvel kicking ass and yeah. Independence kicking ass. So there we go. Uh, definitely did something. And then the incorporation of the music. So it was a whole blend of a whole different 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 fandoms blending into one but yeah. you know if i read some comic books i gotta listen to some heavy metal you feel me especially if it's it's a hard a hard comic like this right, right here your your concrete world i would definitely listen to some hard rock not metal but some hard rock that, I, I feel like this is a hard rock book that you need kind of you know music theme behind it so uh, absolutely <laughs> and when you write it you know i constantly music's very important to me i i have um I, I I dive into different, almost like playlists for what I, you know, like, uh. you know, like when I was writing Ninja Turtles, I, I think I had Beastie Boys on my uh, oh. stereo just looped because it just worked. It was like. Was there that, a song in particular that amped you up? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, um, depending on what I'm writing, right? So, uh, I mean, of course, Sabotage by Beastie Boys is like, um, you know, huge amped up. Uh, Harder Than You Think by Public Enemy is like, if, mm. if I'm low, <laughs> which happens a lot, um, and, I need, and I need to like claw my way back out of being depressed or getting my ass involved on a project, I could put on that, that Public Enemy song and it, it just fucking brings me to life, man. You give me anything, Public Enemy, and I'm typing away faster than you've ever seen a human type and get things done. <laughs> right? Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. Uh, I, and, you know, uh, I was writing a period piece last year, um, kind of a, a H.P. Lovecraft, kind of a Cthulhu Ooh. type. And for that, I was like, I, I went to uh, Spotify and found like, you know, like old like big band, you know, from like the oh, like nice. the thirties and, and, and forties. And and that was like my soundtrack for working on that because I need I wanted to kind of transport myself to, you know, like New Orleans, you know, nineteen the the story was in the twenties. So I, I wanted to kind of go back, you know. Excellent. So you're talking about as you're talking about, you know, being a creative, how did you even figure out that you wanted to get into this creative space? You know, I think I'm lucky in that I just always wanted to. Um, I'm unlucky in that I never had resources. You know, I, I wish that, you know, as a kid growing up in Colorado or when I first got to Hollywood, that I would have had better resources. What uh, age was that when you got to Hollywood? Oh, man, I was uh, 19 going on 20. Oh, damn, you went there as a youngin'. Huh? I, I, well, you know, I got out of high school and in Colorado, there was, if you wanted to be a creative, there was nothing. There was nothing there for me. It was truly um, a desert. <laughs> yeah. Other than starvation and people telling me I was going to fail, you know? Mm. Um, so I literally got on a plane with a duffel bag and ended up in Hollywood and, and just started fucking surviving. And, and Did you not know anyone? You just went, you just jumped on a plane and bounced. I knew two people. Yeah. Okay. Wow. The guy I was going to move in with and uh, this woman who I had met, uh just randomly at a party uh about a year earlier who 
put me to work as a casting assistant uh, almost immediately. And that's, what? that's how I survived. And that's how I started to get a taste for, or understanding like the audition process and commercial, you know, uh, people producing commercials and casting. And I mean, it saved my life. I, you know, cause so many people, you know, they, they leave for the big city. Right. And then they, you know, they turn back around cause they can't, they can't even like pay their rent. That early job helped me both pay the rent. And it also helped me expose me to wow. the realities of what working in entertainment was. What type of party you were going to, kid? Are you meeting people like that? <laughs> yeah, it was, oh, man, it was eye-opening. Because I was in the lobby with all the, like, moms, like, in their showbiz kids. And, the, <laughs> you know, the, you know, so you would know when people came in what it took to book a gig, you know. And, mm. and I think that translates to what it takes to win, getting a job interview or, you know, the, the seeing the audition process and seeing people go into a room and, and work it confidently. And not overdo it, right? Not yeah. bash everybody over the head with their personality. Um, it was a great teacher for me as I tried to navigate, you know, the creative world myself. So he's trying um, to but, tell me, folks, that Al Mega need to be calm in the next uh, Not <laughs> too much Mega. Tone Al Mega down. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate it, man. You get me worked up. But yeah, so I always knew. Uh, and I... Uh, you know, when other kids were like playing soccer or football or going out for baseball, you know, I was trying to figure out how to write stories or trying to figure out with like a video camera how to how to make crappy little horror films. And oh my god, I could blow your mind right now. I got gifted a video camera, but this is an mm. old schooler kiddo. I mean, old school. And if I could get it out of here, this trapped in this box. Oh, I've got to see oh. it. Yeah, it's an old Kodak. Ooh. Let, let me let me get first, let me put my halo back on. There you go. Oh yeah, yeah. I gotta get that backlighting there. <laughs> and check this out. I'm about to blow your mind. Whoa, yeah. Tape, man. Eight millimeter. Look. Oh at yeah, this. yeah. Is it uh eight millimeter or super eight? This is an eight millimeter. It says. Wow. The automatic yeah, M5. <laughs> those things are so gorgeous. I love and this them. is a battery operated one. And my mother says, "Hey, if you like this, I think I have a wind up model somewhere around here." I'm like, "What? Take it, yeah." Yes, yes, yes. Soon, Al Miller's gonna be, be becoming a director on film, like my boy Lance. <laughs> Done. Yeah, I love it. So you, you started with tape too when you started messing around. I actually around? started. I got really lucky. I joined a film production, like a film class i was going to drop out of high school i was i was i was on my way to just crashing and burning um oh my gosh yeah i because i was creative you know my, my father had just passed away um oh, I, sorry. I was just you know i didn't know what to cling on to right like life had really kicked me uh in in the, in the at a young age too huh? oh yeah 15 man oh my gosh and sorry, bro. i had all of this pent up something that i needed to express um, writing it in a notebook wasn't enough. I was trying to figure out how to, you know, and I didn't care about all the, I didn't care about math class. I didn't care about science class. I didn't care about going to gym. I just wanted to make shit. I found a film program in a different school district, somehow got them to let me attend. And that's when, that's when I got on the path. That's when it really started. Um, you know, all my other grades started to rise because I was getting up every morning to make that 7am film class. 
So I was already up. I might as well go to my my other crappy class. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm here anyway, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in that time, we were when we started, uh, we were shooting on film. We were shooting on little Bell and Howe 16 millimeter crank cameras. Oh wow! That was for like a year, and the school district picked up our film processing. Uh, you know, so it was like they were paying for our film to be processed. It was amazing. Uh, but just as that was going on digital filmmaking was just starting to shape okay. and so we you know got hold of like adobe premiere uh, this is like you know pre-final cut pro um Ooh. and so it was a perfect time for me to understand tangible film filmmaking and splicing tape splicing i got just enough of a taste to appreciate it and then it was like non-linear editing on these archaic old computers that would crash all the time and, but you know uh you telling are, me that that a, a 500 megabyte hard drive wasn't enough? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah, and and I was pushing it. You know, I wanted to really prove myself, and uh, that program offered me an outlet to do so. Um, and so I was totally crashing computers, and you know, uh, pushing all my friends to be in these like bad student films I was making. <laughs> and, but the whole time I was trying to learn how to write, and and that's I think what took hold because that's. That's the art form in filmmaking that you don't have to have a lot of money to do, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that all you need to do is be motivated and have a pen and paper or a computer and hopefully final draft, you know, or, or word, you know, you know, word. And um, when things were tight, when I, you know, didn't have resources, uh, I could still write. And that's why that muscle just kept getting worked out. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah. talk about your first real opportunity you know yeah, into the yeah. creative space how did you get that and how did you even feel when you finally landed something yeah so I had been trying to make short films improve myself and you know I got out to LA and I was surrounded by you know people with a lot more resources you know like like kids going to to USC or, or, or UCLA who could put like 50 or 60k into uh, their Ooh. you know final you know their student their foot their student film their like yeah. final project and you know i was like if i could scrape together two thousand <laughs> bucks um two thousand was like 50 grand at the time oh my god yeah i was lucky to be able to do that and the thing is is even if i had the right intentions or even if i you know had done something brilliant which i didn't um my little humble thing couldn't compete production value wise you know uh and so I was frustrated and I thought to myself, thinking about the things I love, comic books, you know, all that stuff. I started thinking about uh, Eastman and Laird and Ninja Turtles and independent comic books. And I, the thought was, if I spend $2,000 on a comic book versus a short film, that comic book's going to look just as good as any other comic book on the shelf. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, film wouldn't. So I started putting my, my motivation and energy into trying to make independent comics. And I was working on stuff. Nothing had gotten out. I hadn't made anything. You know, I hadn't published anything. But I, I had work. You know, I, I was working on the skill. And it turned out a, a, a gentleman that I had been working out with at a kung fu school for two or three years. Very nice guy. Leader in the class. We just never talked about work. We never talked about our, you know, life outside of, of you know, practice. Of the dojo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what, what, what you're doing in the dojo stays in the stays dojo. Stays in the dojo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we were shooting the breeze one day after class, and it turned out he was a story editor. 
uh, oh, on the what? 2000, I think they call it the 2000X Ninja Turtles, which was Fox Kids. Uh, oh, Fox, okay. Fox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was shown on the comic book stuff I was working on. His name was Mike Ryan, a uh, super nice writer and, and story editor. And he gave me a shot. You know, he, he looked at it and he said, you know, you can do uh, sequential storytelling on the page. He was like, I, you know, I think that means you can do it here. You know, we're in need of a writer right now. And he, he changed my life with, with that gig. You know, wow. he, he opened the door. And, you know, I'm sure he had to. I'm sure there was some pretty heavy editing on his part for, you know, my very first script, but it got me another one. He he gave me another episode later. Um, and then I was like, that's it. I'm an animation writer. I'm never going to have to do anything else again. So did and you that learn that case. though? How, how, how was that process though? That learning curve? Well, you, you know, know, I'd already been writing scripts of my own, whether okay. they had been, you know, pub, you know, produced, published out there. So I knew the format. But okay. the animation script's a little bit different. You know, it's a, it's a little more descriptive. Um, you're directing on paper more, as they say. Um, so uh, there was a learning curve. And, and I, I think he was gracious in his notes to point out how to word things or, you know, where to pull back. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I was um, built. You know, he helped build me as a writer through how notes were handed back. Um, flash forward, it took me a while to get my next gig, and that was Iron Man Armored Adventures. It was probably Ooh. a good four or five years. What? Yeah. Really? Um, and how, how did you even get that opportunity? Because not, not, that, that's Marvel, baby, and, and I've seen all these cartoons. <laughs> yeah. My wife would call me a big kid. Like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I enjoy this. Leave me alone. She would I bully my, my, my nerd them. <laughs> hey, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I was doing my thing and, you know, talking to other writers and making friends. And I, I'd been friends with this writer, Brandon Allman, uh, who was just, you know, a rising star in, in his career doing all kinds of awesome stuff. And he had already been doing some work for Marvel and they put him in the position of, of head writer, which meant he now needed to find writers to do the show with him. And that's how I got brought in. Um, and, and, and that's really, truly where I think my creative career career took off was on with Iron Man um, because we worked on two seasons. Um, Brandon's one of the best writers I've ever met in real life and worked with. So working with him was a great influence on my story approach and how I work on paper. Um, and I was also, he had also brought all these other great talented writers onto that show like oh. Eugene Sun and Doc Wyatt and Kevin Burke uh, all of which who I would end up working with later is their stars rose and they worked on other, you know, uh, I, I worked on, on Eugene with, on an Avengers series for Marvel. I worked with Doc Ooh, and yeah, the uh, assemble, on, the good stuff. Oh, the good <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I was, I was lucky Two two people opened a door for me. Right. Wow. And, well, and you've been blessed. I, I, I had been, and I had, as they say, you know, um, you know, what is it? Luck is uh, opportunity meets preparedness or something. You know, I had done a lot of writing for no money that potentially no one would ever see um, because of I loved doing it. Yeah. And I was able to use those things to show these people, if you give me a shot, I can do it. And they did give me a shot. And, and I worked my ass off to, you know, make sure that they felt like they had made the right choice. 
Um, see, see, folks, hard work pays off, right? Don't it does. tell you any different. It does. I mean, honestly, everything that has come to me in my creative career that has put me on, you know, working on stuff like Tekken now or Star Wars a couple years Ooh. ago, it's all because of work I did on my nights and weekends. It's all that extracurricular hustle. So I always tell that to people. I'm like, you can't, like, if you're lucky and you have a day job that pertains to what you want to do, that's part of it. But, you know, you have to fucking work. Yeah. Yes, you do. I got to ask, because you said you saw Star Wars as a kid in the theaters and whatnot. So how was it to be offered that Star Wars op, you know, being a fan on top of it? (laughs) You know what Uh, I mean? uh, (laughs) Almost tear inducing, you know? I, I was wow. I couldn't believe it. Uh when we were breaking stories on Star Wars Star Wars Resistance, um there were many, many times where myself and, and, and other writers on the show would look at each other and be like, We need to soak this in. You know, we need to appreciate you know, uh, one of the one or two of the meetings we had at Skywalker Ranch. At, you know, at, at, say what you went to Skywalker Ranch, kid. To break Woo! Star Wars story, you know, to work to Whoa. sit in a room together and, and come up and so it was, a, it was a dream to being what I had grown up on, what I loved, what was important to me, to be wow. not only crafting those stories, uh, but doing it in that environment. So, yeah, it was, it was a, a pinch. You know, I constantly had to pinch myself to be like, because <laughs> I'm pretty hard on myself. And, you know, this industry is not, it is not oft, often not pleasant. And mm. we were very aware of working on that show to let ourselves you know, we worked hard, but we we're also like, take a moment, a moment. To this in because we're Enjoy. we're working for the for our idols. You know, for for wow. the people that fed dreams into us as children. So yeah. This and were you a second second fan of the video game? Because that show is dope. I got to see the first episode. Woo! Fire! Let me tell you, I'm messing with that mama. I like how she controls her boys. Oh, dude, <laughs> like, Jun Kazama is arguably one of my favorite characters in in the in the lore. So, um. Yeah, so as much as I love Star Wars and as much as I love like Transformers and, and the American properties that maybe seemed a little bit more as a kid, none of that felt within reach, you know? Yeah. But one of the things that, that never ever seemed like it would happen in my life is working on anime. Like legit anime from Japan, you know, <laughs> Japanese property, uh really cool animation studio from Japan, the real thing. And I had made a pilot, a web series pilot. We'd put it up on Funny or Die called Mystic Cosmic Patrol. And you wouldn't think that that would lead me on this journey to writing anime, but it did. Uh, Mystic Cosmic Patrol um, is basically like Power Rangers meets The Office. It's 15-minute comedy episodes um super sentai tokusatsu really ridiculous stuff and we made four episodes three of which got completed a fourth that we were not able to complete um just because of money and they went up on funny or die and got a little bit of a life you know Uh, people liked them um not enough for us to sell it through as a show which was always kind of a disappointment to me um but in doing so uh i worked with this amazing actor tim joe he's part of our cast and he's gone on he was already doing great television. He's doing even greater television now. Uh, but through Tim, I was introduced to uh, the animation team uh, at Netflix. And they were just getting into this, let's 
you know, they had Castlevania had just been a home run uh, yeah. for them. And they were, you know, looking at other IPs and uh, worked with uh, FJ DeSanto and Rooster Teeth um, to put Tekken together as an anime. And I met with FJ, hit it off instantly. Um, funny story there is I actually showed up for that interview a week early on accident. A week early? Oh, yeah, you were anxious, boy. <laughs> yeah, I walked into the office, and FJ was like, this is the first time I ever met the guy. And he was like, it's great to meet you, but you're a week early, dude, and I'm in other meetings. You, you'll have to come back. And he's a New Yorker, so he sounds, you know, pretty direct. Yeah, I hear you. He sounds like me sometimes. Like, yeah. yo, um, I kind of middle son. I'll see you next week, though. Right? You got bounce yeah. right now, though. <laughs> and I walked out of that office thinking, oh, I'm an idiot. I blew it. There's no way that guy's ever going to hire me. I can't even get to the job interview at the right time. <laughs> hey, listen, a week early is better than being five minutes late to me, That's bro. true. You know what I mean? <laughs> he must have thought the same thing. So I met with FJ a week later and the team, uh, 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 Matt and Vince and Gary, and we just talked about stuff like Enter the Dragon and Shaw Brothers and, you know, I, oh, I Shaw about, Brothers? Come on, man. Oh, yeah, my God. 36 Chambers, you know? That's, yeah, you bro. can't. You can't make a martial arts thing and not think about those, right? Absolutely. Or Master um, Killer and all of them. Come on now. Stop. Oh, stop. yeah. So we were speaking the same language, and that led to me writing the scripts and um, Dream Come True Project. Because once again, working in anime, I never, you know, and it took a long time for the show to be animated. Uh, like, it's been three years. So what? Wow. Yeah. So when it hit on, on Netflix a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I was, you know, I got on Twitter. I wanted to see what the fans, when I saw the fans were loving it and, uh, you know, I saw articles that were like, you know, this is how video game adaptions to anime should be done. Oof. I was like, I think we did it. I think, you know, for all the hard work and the, and, and the attention to detail and especially the attention to the characters. Yes. Um, it's, I think it worked. And so, yeah, really excited. Um, you know, it's a six episodes first season. I, I don't know if there'll be any more. I hope there will be, but, um, it's a very satisfying six episodes. So. Oh, folks, you better watch. It's going to be fire. It's fire. It's fire. Trust me. That first episode, I can't wait to, again, I have to finish reading what we're going to talk about next in order for me to get back into that because I got to finish this book. I cannot put oh, it down this it. darn book. Uh, again, I, I got mad that he actually showed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ooh, I want to finish. You got me hooked. Uh, the story really starts building up and building up. Like, okay, what's going to happen? Good stuff, bro. You you are a master at your craft. So oh, talk Thank about you. this amazing book that is Concrete World that is dropping this Wednesday, folks. And look at this dope cover right here. Oh, look at yeah. that. Look at that. So that's Isn't Sarah that on the cover, our lead, our, one of our three lead characters. I'll hold up the book, too. I got the – there's the physical book. Look at that. Oh, you mm. see that? How shiny it is, folks? Oh, Look at yeah. Let's see, let's see how thick it is. That's what she's oh, saying. Oh, yeah. I, well, that's one of the things <laughs> I, I, I try to con convey to people about Ooh. because it was a webcomic. Um, oh. So not to sound like a salesman, but there's a lot of bang for the buck because it's it's a 256-page read. Yes, it um, is. You know, uh, my first published comic book uh, was called Motor City, and I worked with a young artist right out of high school named Jedla Lewis, who uh, just natural raw talent, you know, you can't, she's just born with it. 
and Jetty and I worked on Motor City. She illustrated, and it was a black and white book. So she illustrated and, and, and you know, shaded the entire book. Uh, and then after that, because it, it's a black and white horror kind of, you know, rockabilly monster thing, we wanted to do something different. And I had years and years earlier come up with the idea for Concrete World and tried to write it as a film and tried to write it as a TV pilot. And I was like, well, let's explore it as, as a comic. That's And that's when it all kind of clicked. And so for about three years, uh, Jetty and I would put out six pages a month. Uh, that was that was our bandwidth. And, you know, she would pencil, ink, color, all of those things. And then I would wow. letter it. And uh, my brother uh, came on board and built a website for us to house these pages. So so when we were writing it and you'll when you go back, you'll notice we were in this zone where I really needed to make um, cliffhangers and character moments every six pages. Okay. Um, and so I think. Once combined, it makes for a very fast read because it's always moving. You know, there's not a lot of um, idle, you know, time in it. Uh, but we we did this. I mean, this is before Comixology existed. Uh, it was like I, I keep telling people it was like the Wild West in, in web comics. It was like you just kind of would do what you could and hope people would find it. We mm-hmm. we had found our readership through uh, um, what's that thing called uh, Mailchimp. The mailing list. Oh my God, Mailchimp! <laughs> so we we created a mailing list. Sign up here, and you know, once a month, we'll send you the link for the next six pages. And that's how we very slowly built up our readership of the webcomic. But we both kind of burned out. Um, Jetty was doing way because we weren't making any money. You know, that wasn't monetized. So this was on top of yeah. whatever we were doing to pay the bills. So uh, Jetty went on to do other stuff that you know probably paid a lot more. <laughs> um, but uh, that's when I, I started working with James Emmett. And the funny thing about working with Ooh, James on okay. the, the latter chapters is James is out there with you in New York. I was in LA. We'd never even met. We finished the book and had never even met in the real world, which I thought was always oh, kind of wow. fun for a sci-fi piece, you know? Um, but after our work was finished uh, and James would pencil an ink and then uh, Joe Mack, who, I don't know if you remember the Tokyo Pop. The, the pop yeah, of course, Tokyo so Pop. I worked there for for a good year or two in oh, in snap. another life. And Joe <laughs> Mack was an artist there, and he came on and was our colorist. And we so we finished, and then we kind of burned out on the web comic. And then I got busy with all the kind of work we've been talking about with Marvel, with you know, and so Concrete World was unfinished for like mm. over 10 years, just sitting what? in files on my computer, waiting for me to color those last chapters, letter them. And, and last year was the time it was like, okay, enough's enough. We put too much of our souls into this book for it to not be out there in the real world. Um, so we brought together the old team. Uh, we finished the chapters. So one thing that's cool, and, and I apologize to everyone who had ever followed Concrete World as a webcomic, because we left them on a cliffhanger for like 10 years. 10 years. I mean, yeah. listen, you know what? That's about, that's a little bit shorter than the time I've been waiting for Rob Liefeld to deliver Brigade to my house. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. There's some precedent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 10 years, though, sitting on yeah. your computer. My gosh. Yeah. But thank well, you for finishing this battle. Yes. So, so now, you know, this week on the 31st, 
people can see how the story ends. You know, they can see what happens to these characters. And it's a noir story. It's, you know, it's tragic and dark and it's about addiction and, and technology. So, you know, can I ask you something though? Yeah. You, taught, you touched on something here that, that only came out, you know, just a couple of years ago. You're telling me that sat there for 10 years and you were already touching on it even prior. I mean, with like that meta, you know, type feel that you, 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 uh, you know, I'm going to call you Gavin Stradamus. Ah. <laughs> yeah, please do. I'm going to grow out a big beard. It's going to be cool. Um, it, it is interesting in that there, because I love cyberpunk, you know, I love stuff mm-hmm. like William Gibson. Of course, I love Blade Runner. Um, I, I, I was actually even really influenced by like the classic Max Headroom TV show, you know, like oh the, my whole, God, Max the whole season it was on, right? You are dating yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that type of storytelling and that type of, you know, are be afraid of the technology you create because it could come back to haunt you or it could, there'll be repercussions you don't. That's always a theme in things I enjoy and theme, and also in things I, I, I try to create. Yeah. And uh, there are things in the book that have basically come true since we wrote it, which is pretty, pretty crazy. Um, I'm always reading magazines like Popular Science and Popular Mechanics, and I'm always looking at what could be coming and, and speculating off of that. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's uncanny that work that we did say in like 2012 or, notes that i'd written to myself in like 98 wow here we are and you and, invented a smartwatch bro they didn't <laughs> give you credit <laughs> well i probably got that from dick tracy because man have i wanted a video watch ever since but yeah no it's true but like the, the way you used it though in exactly. the book that's yeah. that's the key there you know dick tracy had yeah, the awesome but it's the things that you were doing with it i'm like yo yeah. So now, now you're telling me how old it is, and my brain is on fire right now. Like, what? Are you, you really uh, thinking way ahead? It's, it's crazy. I, you know, the one that gets me is uh, there's a scene in the book where they end up in a riot, and the police mm. using crowd control are hitting the, um, the, the crowd, the unruly crowd, with strobe cannons and giving them seizures and putting everybody down on the ground. That's some fucked up stuff. <laughs> it is, right? And that's the kind of stuff they're going to do to us. They're, you know? And then, you know, what maybe like five years ago, uh, I saw that a sound cannon was created for the same purpose. It's a, a cannon that it, in, in the book, you know, we're attacking people with light. Yeah. To, 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 uh, but this device that is real attacks people with sound. And it, you know, you can target it. You can shoot it like like a like a laser beam. That's it's crazy. It's very precise, and you can take down a crowd um, by you know attacking their their sens- sensories. You know, sensors. It's Whoa, crazy. Yeah. that is wild, yo! We are living in the sci-fi times. Where the aliens? Are. <laughs> <laughs> when are they coming? I is know, that who they're trying to protect them. us against? <laughs> I that know. is crazy. I, I am one of those people that I'm like, we're doing such a bad job ourselves with the planet and with each other. I mean, maybe we need alien contact at this point to get I, us in gear. I, I have said this, that to my parents and to my friends, if aliens were to ever come, that would be the first time in human history that we will not care about color or anything. Like we're humans. We got to go against all of a sudden. Now we're yeah. all brothers and sisters. Totally. All of a sudden, you know? Right. 
it's gonna make me think. All oh, depends who comes up to me now. Like, oh, I don't know. I remember you being an asshole with me. Totally. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All I want to help we'll you now. Finally, be all together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, listen. I like like you. I hope it happens that way. You know. Because again, everybody wants to say it's doom and gloom. What if they come in peace? <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll still be so scared. We'll probably stick together. <laughs> of course, we'll be scared and attack them anyway. And, I know, and, right? Start a universal war. <laughs> I know. Look at yeah. these dumb apes. Yeah, yeah, that's us. The, the hellish us. apes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, hitting our sticks on the ground. Yeah. Right. You know, you know it's gonna happen. Yeah. It's gonna happen, folks. Uh, I'm really digging it. So this book drops the 31st. I want to know. All right. So the, the for you to complete it, how long was that process? Because again, sitting on your computer for 10 years. Yeah. And then you decided, like, all right, it's going to happen. So how long did that process take for you to finish up the last chapters and then put this baby together? Yeah, so the the construction of the last four chapters, uh, we worked um, – we also – let me get out my credits here. Um, through those old Tokyo Pop relationships, you know, we, we worked with um, uh, Jerome Bennett, who is a Eisner, uh, you know, uh, award-winning oh. letterer. And uh, Jerome's team – came on board and lettered the, the print edition. Uh, Jenny uh, Carbajal, uh, Jenny Moore also, as she's known, did the just beautiful cover design for, for you know, the That's print fire. edition. And those are also, you know, she's also a relationship. She does all the design for the toy company I have now. And I'd met her back in Tokyo Pop. I'd met lots of great creatives at that company. Um, but yeah, so about two years of work to get where we're at now. And if we were to rewind, and I, I wrote uh, a uh, afterward in the book, um, talking about kind of the journey of, of, of we took to, to get this thing made. And, you know, I, I kid you not, it was, uh, and I look forward, you know, uh, to, to when you get to read uh, the afterward. Um, 1998 or 99, I was in L.A., uh, I couldn't have been more broke. I couldn't have less resources to be creative. Um, but these stories were still coming. And I'd woken up one night, middle of the night. Polly, Felix, Sarah were in my head. Their addiction to dream tech was in my head. And I sat and I wrote three pages of notes, you know, hand, you know. I, oh, I, and, wow. and, and then I went back to bed. And the next morning, you know, it's like that thing that they say, oh, you know, if you get those dreams or those ideas at yeah. night, write them down because you'll lose them. So you didn't do the Jerry Seinfeld, right? Where it was gibberish. And he's like, yeah. I don't know what I wrote. <laughs> well, uh, I might have done some of that. Yeah. Um, and and uh, uh, extra points for Seinfeld references. That's basically my um, I, I view life through Seinfeld episodes, I think. Um, well, yeah, but with but, the talking bully button, that's what I'm viewing life as now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it came to me and I, and I, I tried to get it down in many different forms before we went, you know, um, to the web comic format and, and then now to the graphic novel format. Uh, yeah, it's been a journey. So it's been over, you know, I, I say over 15 years in the making and, and that's not an exaggeration. I need to know how did you feel when you got that same book that you've been showing us in your hands and have something now physical as opposed to digital in your hands. How was that feeling like? It felt great. It felt, um, they, they, they arrived uh, a few months ago, the, the advanced copies. And, you know, I'm a book guy. Uh, I still, uh, I love that, that comicsology exists. I love that people can read on their tablets and stuff. 
but I'm, I'm a physical media guy still, you know, I buy CDs, I buy vinyl. <laughs> uh, I like my printed materials I can enjoy and, and comic books, especially. So for me, it wasn't real until I had the book. Uh, and when I had the book and then plus the work and the, the craftsmanship that went into, uh, you know, the printing, Jenny's artwork of the cover. Um, I, I knew as an independent comic book person that I wanted a book that someone would buy based solely on the cover. They would be like, yeah. oh, that thing pops. I want that. It does. I feel that the story inside is good too. I hope it is. I've done my best. Um, but the, the design of the book and the art that, of the artist I worked with, I'm very, very proud of it and very proud and thankful um, to, to those people for coming on board and helping me bring it to life. Um, and you know, whether, uh, yeah. I was going to say, was it easy to have them just come in and, 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 you know, help you finish the book or was that a process in and of itself? Um, as you know, and, and producing comic books is very hard. Um, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not an illustrator, uh, if I could draw, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it would be an easier process for me. But I depend greatly on talented illustrators who, you know, to be real, if someone's talented enough for you to want to work with them, they're probably already working or they need to get paid for their time. Mm. And as an independent, you know, person who is just trying to, you know, get this stuff out, um, it's it's really, really hard. So uh Every aspect of it, um, the the coloring, the shading, uh, penciling, inking, uh, all of it. I can you know I can barely draw stick figures, so I'm very dependent <laughs> on talented people. Um, and yet, you know, I have to annoy them. I have to push them. I have to you know, hey, is it done? Or here's some revisions. Uh, I remember uh, June, who is our colorist for the last four chapters. Um, he did an amazing job. Amazing job. And he's finished, and I realized, I was like, you know, there is something that doesn't quite make sense, and I need to create four new pages. Oh. And so I went back to the team, and I said, hey, I know it's been years and years and years, <laughs> but <laughs> could, could we make four pages because I need to connect something that's not making sense? And okay. uh, everybody came back together. We, we, you know, the band got back together, as they say. We, we got those pages in. But I, I had to be that detail oriented because this is it, right? This is our chance. It's only going to print, you know, we're only going to have this printed edition once. Um, and it had to, we had to get it right. So um, it, it is hard, but I, I feel like it's, it's worth it. The book will live on. These characters will live on. Hopefully it does well and we can do a sequel. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I want, that's exactly what I wanted to ask. I mean, do you think, you know, there's a, is there a sequel in that brain of yours? There has actually been a sequel for over a decade in my brain. Wow. Um, so even when you, even before finishing it, you already had part two going. Yeah. Volume yeah. I've, and I've written those notes down. Uh, I know the name of the sequel. I know, and I don't want to give any spoilers because, you know, yeah, things have, those who things pick happen. this up, they don't know how it's going to end or who's going to make it. Um, but there is a very relevant story after this that is independent to itself. So I, I hope we get to tell it. Uh, you know, I'm working a lot in TV animation now. 
you know, if I can develop this into a TV, I will. And then, you know, the yes. sequel will just be season two, right? Like this is season. So yep. yeah, we'll see, you know, it's, it's, a um, it's an interesting time for animation and, and for, uh, you know, independent and, you know, production. So but right def- now it's a book and I'm very, very excited about it. Yeah. I definitely could see this as being a dope animated film. I didn't want to see the series. I need this, this to be a film where I'm sitting down for at least an hour and a half watching what's popping because so many twists and turns and things that pop. And again, and it's, and it's, you know, techno nerds. So yeah. technology nerds. So it's like, if you're into that, like I said, my man over here was way ahead of his time. And, and what technology he was speaking about. And just to see it here, for you, for us now, oh, this is normal stuff. Damn, bro. But for you to tell me this is like over 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Smokes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really crazy. So I can't wait mm-hmm. to see the sequel. But first, first and foremost, folks, this drops this Wednesday, this new comic book day via Rebel Psychic Studios. What's that? So Rebel Sidekick is the imprint that I created for getting um, printed material out into the world, whether it be comics, zines, uh, narrative fiction. Um, You know, I've uh, we've dabbled in in all those things. Uh, And so uh, Rebel Sidekick is basically the home for, you know, my printed printed work. Yeah. Awesome, yeah, because I'm seeing this all over Diamond Preview. That's right, folks. So you you make sure you know if you if your shop doesn't have it, pull out that previews book. Tell them to hand it to you. Yes, yeah, and, and get that there. All right, let me. You know what? As a matter of fact, uh, do they have the order code here? Yeah, it's J U N two two one eight five seven. As a matter of fact, yo, there's. A, I'm gonna make it easier for everybody. All right, so if your LCS that. doesn't carry carry it, all right, tell them you want this this code for the book. All right. Don't mess around, folks. Look, right there, diamond code. That's it. Right right? Tell them you want that stuff right now. All right? That, this, trust me. This is like, this is comic book crack right here. It's really good. Because, uh, again, but, again, I'm, I'm speaking Thank at you. least on my behalf because I, I, I love comic books. I love technology. I love that, that, that futurism that you did here. It's wild stuff. And, you know, just seeing how the world is moving nowadays, you know, you're hitting on some crazy-ass themes. Because techno addiction is even real. Oh, I mean, yeah. may- maybe not 10 years ago, but now it is serious. I mean, soon humans are going to be walking like the hunchback of North today. I mean, we continue the route that we're going oh, on. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, when, when we wrote this, the idea of being addicted to a machine was was maybe science fiction. And now, I mean, we all we all are addicted, right? We all have our our, our little com- right? mini computer. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, everybody scrolls to sleep nowadays. They yeah. don't count sheep. It's <laughs> true. It's true. You count count scrolls instead of sheep, right? Well, look, look at on TikTok today. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blessing Man, you, and it's a curse. <laughs> yeah, at, at at the same time, for real. So two more things here. Yes. First thing is, I want to give you some flowers, bro. Thank you, thank you, thank oh, you man. for thank you for doing what you've done. Because, dude, everything you've done, I have like basically watched. So thank you for entertaining me and the millions of fans across the world with right. your talent. Thank you for stepping in and being brave and bold enough to do that. You know, because again, this is why I hate when people try to poop on creators. Right. These people are much more brave than people that aren't doing stuff because they're putting themselves out there. You know, they're putting their heart and soul into things. So that's why I don't believe in bashing. If something's yeah, not for you, it's not for you. 
Totally. But if it's for you, you better celebrate because I'm celebrating. Gavin is yeah. the man. Thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you did with this book because it's fire. I can't wait to finish it after our interview. And, and I can't wait to see what's coming up next. And I hope, let me see how it finishes because I really want to hope for a, a sequel too because you already broke my heart. I'll say that much. Ah. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. I didn't expect that. So oh, I was like, yeah. you, you, you're throwing some twists and turns in there. I'm like, oh shit, okay. This is great because I connected with the character and all of a sudden things happen. And you're like, holy smokes, what's going on here? So, you know, thank you again. And I kind of I kind of could see where it may be going. But, you know, let me not guess because you already said it, it's dark. So <laughs> let me see how it finishes. <laughs> I'm swearing as I, as I was. Ah, yeah, me too. It's a noir. It's a noir. It's an exploration into desperate people for sure. Yeah, it's good stuff. And, and, and lastly... You know, what type of advice would you give any creators that are also like you? You know, you already stepped into the room. You've been doing it. Like, what type of advice would you give somebody that's trying to step in now? Well, you know, and I will connect that to what you were saying. You know, I think it, it's a lot of the people creating stuff. You, you do have to they say people is, oh, you have to have thick skin. Uh, I say it's more it's it's scar tissue. You just build up a lot of scar tissue. You know, mm-hmm. you, you ultimately as a writer or as a creator, you have to be doing it for yourself first. You know, when I sit down and I write these worlds or I dream this stuff up, it's because I want to be lost in that journey and I want to escape all the crap in my life just as much as I hope readers will. And so, you know, don't, to those who are writing, and maybe not published or have not gotten onto television somehow or in a comic book shop. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not a writer. It just means that you haven't monetized your writing. Like, you know, to be a writer, all you have to do is sit down and do it and do it often and for yourself. Um, and, you know, work hard and, and the rest, I, I, I would like to think will fall into place. Um, you know, uh, I agree, because no one is really an overnight success. It's because you hear about them overnight. Believe yeah. you me, their journey's been long and strenuous. <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. True, yeah. true. And I tell people this all the time. Oh, uh, why is this guy famous? What do you mean? You have no idea of their journey. You yeah. have no idea. Just because they showed up now, they've probably been at the game for 20, 30 years. You didn't even know. I mean, Danny Trejo didn't make it to you. was like in his late 40s. You know what I mean? It's true. It's true. It's true. You know, and now Danny chose everywhere and everybody trusts him, right? Yeah. But he learned he learned how to hustle and to work hard all of that time. That's yeah. why he's everywhere now, is because he knows what it's like not to have resources, so he knew what to do when he had resources. Absolutely. One of my favorite uh Ninja Turtle stories is that Danny Trejo gave me a big kiss on the cheek. What? <laughs> he's the nicest man. How that happen? I was at a horror convention in Texas. I was working, uh, I was working in marketing at the time and he was there, I think promoting Machete. Hey. And he'd also voiced one of my characters in an episode I wrote in Ninja Turtles. So oh, he's cool. walking through the convention and I was like, Mr. Trejo, I was like, I wrote, uh, um, you know, whatever episode of Ninja Turtles, uh, with the character you just voiced a few weeks ago. And he came over and he gave me a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. It was so, he was such a kind <laughs> person. And he was like, oh, I love doing that voice. And my kids are so excited. And when's the toy coming out? He was the nicest guy. So whenever he, his name comes up, I have to tell that story. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I got just to some, meet, What's that? I got to meet him at San Diego Comic-Con in 2019 because at, at the States Monos panel. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I worked with Dan, uh, who was the head writer of that show. Oh, word? Uh, I worked oh, with Dan on Genlock. Uh, oh, another great series, yo. Yeah. Genlock is fire, yo. Yeah. So Good I got to you. Gl- glimpse into the behind the scenes of that a little bit and, and, and how they made it. Uh, and cool. wow, what a cool show, right? Yeah, it is. Absolutely is. When I first saw it, I was like, ooh, this is different. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm yeah. a big geek, man. It's like that. I had like a little kid. You know? Even my parents, my father just shakes his head at me. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, when I put something on for him, he's like, oh, this wasn't so bad. I'm like, so stop shaking your head. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, you I'm see put why some Brooklyn I'm on you, dad. Yeah, I'm going to put some Brooklyn <laughs> on you, dad. Don't make me do that to you now. <laughs> now, nah, brother, you have been amazing. Thank you for your time, oh, your words, you your energy. Yeah. Now, you rock. Here's what I need all my viewers and listeners to do. I need to go visit his website, Gavin. Everything's going to be on the links it's below, true. so you could click away, all right? Please follow him on Instagram as well, Gavin Hainai, and also at Wandering Planet. Official, and there's one, there's the yeah. Yep. And my Instagram's the best yeah. thing to follow because it's Ooh. it's the most nerdy. I take a lot of toy photos. Um, I oh, have a lot right. of fun on there. So I always tell people if you want, if I'm not, if you're not bored of me already, then that's the place to go to. to... Epa, there you go. You better follow the home. You're gonna love it. And then of <laughs> course, Concrete World is in shops this week. And yes. if by chance your LCS is not carry it, shame on them if they don't. Tell them to pull out that diamond book previews and you go ahead that's the diamond code right there and i'm gonna i hadn't added that before i'm gonna add that ap- oh, after the show I appreciate so people it. Could know. Nah, bro i love the book real talk it, it, it's fun it, it's different it's great and like i said now having this conversation i appreciate it even more oh with the thank fact you, that you were so far ahead so you know what are this week's lottery numbers can you help me there what's that what are this week's lottery numbers for Friday? Do oh, you know? <laughs> well, if I knew that, there'd be a sequel to the Concrete World getting made right now. <laughs> awesome. Folks, you know what to do. Please follow everything like the scroll says, Comic Crusaders and ComicCrusaders.com. Same name all over the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You know, if you're on YouTube, you know it's Comic Crusaders World. Visit Max and the family over at UndercoverCapes.com for the latest and greatest podcast. You know, we have K-pop coming out this week. Ooh. We got some TDC, you know, Definitive Crusade, talking all about DC Comics. And possibly a couple of outside the panels. Let's see what Johnny the Machine Hughes is up to, all right? With that, thank you again, folks. Much love. Hasta la próxima. All right, mi gente? You guys rock. God bless. Later. Bye, Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 